Welcome to the Journey to Midwifery podcast. I'm your host, Amber Wilson, a doctor, nurse, midwife, turned podcast host. It is our job and passion as midwives to listen to everyone else's story, their journey, their birth story. Now it's our turn to share. So here I am asking these midwives, what's your story? Join me each episode to hear the journey, the passion, and the mission of midwives today. Okay, today on our podcast, we have Yulia, who is a certified nurse midwife that I had the pleasure of going to graduate school with. So, Yulia, say hello. Tell us about yourself. Hi, Amber. I'm very excited to be part of this. This is an awesome idea, and I'm happy to share with everyone kind of my slash our our journey since we did go to the same program. I am, like Amber said, a certified nurse midwife, and I currently live in upstate New York in Watertown, New York. That is about an hour north north of Syracuse. I work as a full-scope midwife in Syracuse at a private midwifery practice with uh, three other midwives, and we do our deliveries at a, a local hospital there in Syracuse. And I've been a midwife for about four years, going on five, and loving every minute of it and it's been challenging being a new midwife but here I am I've made it through a few first yeah. years almost time to renew I know that is I'm it's daunting but I'm gonna have to look into yeah. all of the things <laughs> crazy I know uh, so tell us why you wanted to become a midwife in the first place sure um so I think when I was, yes, I was a junior in college, and I never knew that midwives existed. I wasn't really looking to go into healthcare, um, but my college offered a um, healthcare internship where every day for two weeks we got to shadow a different healthcare professional um, and just see what they do. So we went on an ambulance one day, we shadowed a pediatrician another day, and Um, I mostly did that internship because I wanted to, I was a biology major, but I wanted to make sure I didn't want to go into healthcare because I, my plan was never to do that. (laughs) So I did it just to see like, for sure. Right. I don't want to do this. And, um, I got paired up with a midwife on my, um, labor and delivery day And within the first hour of being there, we had a multiverse woman come in and she was there with her two-year-old and she just had a baby in like 30 minutes from arrival. And the midwife had me like be in the room and hold her leg. And it was just so crazy. I just remember being like, this is the craziest thing. And I had such like a rush from that birth that I wanted to look into what, you know, being a midwife is. And before I could even do that, I the my next following day was supposed to be with the same midwife, but in the clinic. So I kind of got the best of both worlds. I got to see a birth, and then the right in the next day, I, I shadowed the same midwife in the clinic. And yeah, after that, I went home and I looked up what a midwife is, and I started down, I'm sure, a very similar path that most of us do, kind of looking up things about birth and birthing in the United States and Um, I realized that it's like a perfect job for all the things I was interested in, but I didn't know there was a job for it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like women empowerment and 
um, science and healthcare and things like that. So um, after that, I started to look into nursing programs and um, yeah, midwifery programs after that. So what made you choose the, the path of RN to CNM versus direct entry? That's a good question. And um, the, a good answer is probably ignorance because I didn't know there was such thing as a CM until I, you know, went to nursing school and I continued to kind of, you know, like prep for midwifery. I got into a bridge program, like an RN to, I'm sorry, a BSN to MSN program. So I, when I was in my BSN program, I started to like meet midwifery faculty because they taught some of our uh, you know, um, childbearing courses and, and things like that. So I kind of started to attend more events and speak to them. And I joined ACNM and I was like, whoa, there's a whole other, I learned about CMs and CPMs. So to be honest, the reason why I applied to programs that were, um, you know, master's prepared nursing, a CNM was because I, that's all I, I thought that that was it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is a common misconception of CNM. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, and what school did you attend? So for my uh, RN program, the, the bachelor's of, of nursing, I, I went to Johns Hopkins and that is where I stayed for part of my master's. So I did half of my master's courses at Johns Hopkins and then um, transitioned to Shenandoah University, university that had the midwifery portion and they kind of did this cool bridge program where they offered schools that didn't have a midwifery program, a pathway for their students to get a midwifery degree. So we, it was me from Hopkins and a couple other students, then um, students from different schools like Georgetown, Old Dominion, just other schools in the area that came together. And we all would do the year of midwifery coursework and clinicals um, through Shenandoah. So it was kind of like a dual school situation including me yes and that's where we met yeah so Mm -hmm. I do talk a little bit about the program set up in my story but I want you to share how you felt like it was set up you know as far as how many times did we visit the campus was it online Mm -hmm. yeah so we went to campus twice so the the portion of the midwifery portion started the second year of my midwifery um, uh, curriculum, I guess. So the first year I was at Johns Hopkins and I did my pharmacology and health assessment and, um, you know, like research classes. And that was, um, we were all, that was all done in person. And we were, midwifery students were in the same classes with like nurse practitioners and um, clinical nurse specialists and things. And, and, you know, those, those, all those advanced practice nursing specialties. And then when we came to Shenandoah um, in the fall, we would have a week of hands-on clinical um, skills and coursework for, for that week in the beginning of the semester in um, Virginia, West Virginia, West Virginia, Virginia. Is it Virginia? Winchester. 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 There you go. That's my problem. So, yeah, we did a week in the beginning of the first semester and then a week at the beginning of the following semester. And um, that's where we learned skills for the most part. So we did some role playing with um, each other on how to take, you know, a good uh, history, how to place IUDs in 
um, like models and tie knots and suture and things like that. And then we would leave after that week and then go to um, wherever we were residing and continue our didactic portion online. So we continued, um, you know, reading chapters and and learning and having discussion boards, um, you know, remotely. And then our clinical sites were set up for us. So for example, in the first semester, we did um, GYN and antepartum, and so our clinical work reflected that. So that's what we did in clinical. So it was kind of, you know, on par with whatever we were learning in the quote-unquote classroom, we did in clinical. And then the following semester in the spring, we did intrapartum and, and postpartum kind of care, and that's when we began to do our, our births. So we were again, learning about intrapartum and doing intrapartum in the clinical sites. And then the final semester was all the oh, things. Correct, yeah. So then the final semester was our, you know, kind of transition to full scope, doing everything all at once and, yeah, finishing up our births and kind of envisioning ourselves being on our own, but still with our lovely preceptors helping us out. <laughs> So we, we discussed this a little offline, but mm-hmm. um, comparatively to like a program like Frontier that does all their classroom yeah. work first and then clinical, how do you feel about your experience having the clinical integrated throughout the learning? I, I would say since I didn't have experience as a student in both ways, um, I, I didn't mind the way that that Shenandoah did it. I felt comfortable at the time kind of undergoing that way. I'm also someone who, um, I, I don't, I don't mind like compartmentalizing some things while I'm learning. So I didn't feel super overwhelmed doing like one thing at a time. Um, I do as a, as a midwife precept frontier student. So I get to kind of witness how they, how their, um, didactic, um, set up affects clinical. Um, and I would say that they do fine. They do great. Just like any, uh, for many other programs, but it, it does take like a second. So th- for, for those who don't know the frontier program, they finish all of their didactics and then they begin clinical. And so the thought is once you reach clinical, you've kind of learned all of your didactics and you know about GYN and, a antepartum, intrapartum, postpartum. And then when you come to clinical, you now have the knowledge to begin seeing all kinds of patients. So you're not just limited to specific ones like GYN. Um, I, I feel like students do great doing that too. I feel it does take a little bit of time for them to kind of remember, oh yeah, that's right. In my GYN class from way back when we learned this and this. So it it takes like a little bit of time to regain some of that knowledge. Um, But once they get up to speed, um, I don't see a whole lot of difference between the way I did it and the way the frontier does it. Mm -hmm. I don't have any qualms with the way that I went through the program. I felt, I felt, you know, prepared to be my new midwife when I, when I left the program, there's always going to be things that you wish you learned, but I didn't feel unsafe or, you know, like, overly nervous that I don't know, you know, a lot. I think it really just comes down to what type of learner you are. Yeah. To choose between the schools, really. Yeah. And I I don't know how much they advertise, you know, schools advertise that's how it's done. Like, again, 
That's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, like sheer ignorance. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) oh, okay, this is what we're doing. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, this is is perfect to help people see the difference. Uh, Did you work during your, especially that last year, did you work? No, I never worked as a nurse, period. Prior to going to midwifery school, I went straight through a BSN program and then into master's. So I didn't ever work as a nurse. And then I, and then I didn't work as a nurse after I finished midwifery school. I just started looking for midwifery jobs right after. And that's when I started. Mm -hmm. And to share, you did not have any children when you went through this, but you did have a person. Yeah. So I, I don't have any kids. I was, um, yeah, in a long-term relationship slash engaged through some of that. So yeah, it was, it was, I think demanding, but I'm also, I'm now, I'm now married to a doctor, but it, I was, I was with someone who was in medical school. So, um, Matt, my now husband was quite busy as well. So sort yeah. of crazy, crazy schedule for the both of us. Um, but it is really challenging. I was, when I was a student, I was with a home birth practice for the majority of my interpartum, um, experience. And, you know, those tend to be obviously lower volume of patients. And so I was on call all the time. And so that definitely left very little time for like family and fun things. So Mm -hmm. it is every, every, every person has those challenges, but yeah, it's, it was hard. And was your now doctor spouse pretty <laughs> supportive of your program and, and time away? Yeah. I mean, we, I think because we were, we both chose something that kept us really busy. We both were equally supportive because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it would be pretty, you know, a lot of hypocrisy would go on if one of us wasn't supportive of the other because <laughs> we were both true. like chose something that's very busy. So yeah, yeah, he was really supportive and um yeah, once it came time to like pick residency spots, we kind of had to come together and look at regions where, you know, midwifery is more prevalent because obviously I would need to find a, a job and, and things like that. So yeah, it's it's it helps to be with someone who's in healthcare, but it's still you have to explain to them the challenges with midwifery in their yeah. country. So yeah. Yeah. So you did not work. How did you no. pay for all this school? I, um, uh, with a combo of loans and some scholarships that I got, um, I got like an advanced practice nursing um, expansion grant and, um, and going to Shenandoah was helpful too. That's another plug for their program. It's quite cost effective. Mm-hmm. I thought, um, it was much, you know, less costly than, for example, the big, you know, the bigger school that I got my BSN and part of my master's at Hopkins. Um, so that was helpful. I live with my parents, um, during my clinical time, they, um, happened to be next to a clinical site that, that took me. So I didn't have a lot of expenses for living and food. Thanks mom and dad. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, and yeah, so I, I did do some things on the side. Um, so I, I did some research projects on the side here and there, um, with past preceptors of mine from nursing school. So there were some data projects for, um, infant mortality I did, and I kind of helped work work some, some, um, what was it called, um, in school? 
where you worked for money, but you got. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, student work works. Something. Yeah. Work student, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I got money through that. And then um, Johns Hopkins also um, has a program called Birth Companions. And that is where nursing students in the BSN program um get trained by a DONA certified doula. So you took um, two Saturdays worth of courses um, on childbirth and supporting women through childbirth. And then um, Hopkins provided a free doula service using the students to the community. So women from Baltimore and surrounding areas would contact the School of Nursing and sign up. And then um, the students would meet with the woman prior to um, her going into labor and then meet her at the hospital when she was in labor and provide just doula services. And we got um, work study. That's what it's called, work study money for that. So I kind of did a little jobs to help Mm -hmm. me get some spending money. But um, yeah, majority of my for my school is loans and scholarships. Mm -hmm. Okay, but side note, that is such a cool program that they do. I know it still exists. It's really cool. Um, and yeah, it's free to the, to the community and, um, students love it. They get to kind of, as nursing students, you kind of get to like observe a lot of clinical things, you know, in the hospital and, um, yeah, women really, really loved it. We had like people come and have multiple babies and use the service and yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, they pub- they um, we collected a lot of data for it. So, yeah. um, you know, it showed like a lot of, you know, the things we read about doulas decreasing, you know, uh, need for interventions and things like yeah. that and increasing patient satisfaction. So. So, yeah, it was and it, it came from cool. that program. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, mm-hmm. that's really cool. You yeah. know, I love research. So that's cool. I know. Yeah. So share how your board process went. So like how long after you graduated, did you take boards? What did you Mm -hmm. use to study? Did you pass the first time? I know you did, but you can share that. (laughs) And yeah. And how long it took to get your state license? Sure. So I graduated, um, I think we were done at the beginning of August, like allowed to take our boards. Yeah. So we finished in July, beginning of August. And I had started to apply for jobs six months before that. So I started to look for jobs and I applied for, for positions, um, online and I had secured a job, um, and was officially like, got, had a letter of intent to be hired in June. So I knew that once I graduated, I would need to take my boards quickly So I was, after I had my letter of intent in June, I began studying for my boards like pretty, pretty intensely after that. And as soon as we were allowed to take our boards, which was like the second or third week in August, um, after our, 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 um, verification went through, I took the boards and I did pass the first time. Um, and then it took me about, Three, I got all my things ready to go in December. So, yeah. And what like state was Three that? months in Maryland. Okay. Yep. So my DEA um, and my licensure and everything. I got my midwifery license in October. So mm-hmm. that that was, you know, much quicker than the rest of the things. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't apply for, obviously, DEA and all those other, other permits until the midwifery um, licensure came through. I was lucky enough that I 
I, my first job was at a federally qualified health center and they, you know, had a person whose sole job was to do all like apply for all of these things for us. So I had, yep. I had someone doing all that and staying on top of things and calling and harassing (laughs) for me. So that was, that was really helpful. Um, but, but yeah, I did take quite a bit of time. So it was just kind of sitting idle till that came through. And how did you find that job? What did you, did you use a job board? How'd you find it? I searched on the HRSA website. I knew that because I paid through majority of my school with loans, um, I was and am in debt. <laughs> so I wanted to get a job that was at a loan repayment site if I could help it. And and I was exposed to a federally qualified health center um, in my midwifery clinicals. Actually, um, Catherine Salam, she was, she still is a professor, I believe, but she, no, maybe she retired, but she was a professor at Shenandoah and worked at Chase Brexton, which was, which is a federally qualified health, health center in Baltimore. Um, and I did some of my GYN clinicals there and I really liked it. I liked the, you know, being able to care for like different populations and people have no insurance and they had a lot of opportunity for people to get care at low cost. So that was really cool. So I I looked on the HRSA website and I saw this job posted and I applied. Um, And they said that they, they were open to new grads in the ad. Um, But just a tidbit, I apply to all jobs, even if it said they that they didn't want new grads. (laughs) I just, I just kept applying. So might as well. Yeah, I mean, if the, if it's been posted for a really long time, they may be considering new grads, but just haven't changed the ad. So you never Can know. Can you clarify that website? Um, it was the HRSA, HRSA right? Yeah. Dot um, something. HRSA job. I'm, I'm looking for it for you now. It is um, Health Workforce Connector. Okay. Yep. And it's connector.hersa.gov. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that is for jobs that will help with loan forgiveness. Yep. The the jobs are in critical shortage areas. So they have a shortage of primary care providers. Um, nurse, uh, nurse Certified nurse midwives fall under primary care designations. So, okay. yep, you can apply. You have to get a job in one of these sites first, and then you apply. Okay. Mm -hmm. So job stories. Can you tell (laughs) us a little bit about what did your first practice look like as far as your call, your clinic, things like that? Mm -hmm. And then that you change jobs because you're of your husband and then what Mm -hmm. your current practice looks like. Sure. So the first job I had was at that federally qualified health center. Um, It's called Chesapeake Healthcare, and it's on the eastern shore of Maryland in Salisbury, Maryland. So it's it's not very rural, but it's a rural part of Maryland in general. And we, the health, the, the clinic that in the practice I worked for were we were the only OBGYN and midwifery practice in three county span. So we were it. We had, there were no private docs. There were no other clinics um, in the area. So everybody came to us. It was a very high volume practice. We did about 2,000 to 2,100 deliveries a year wow. at a, yep, a local community hospital. When I came on board, I was the fifth midwife hired there. And 
there were six or seven doctors that did full scope and maybe like a couple more that just did GYN. So it was a really big practice. Um, so the, the call was one in five because there was about five of us and we did 48 hour weekends, which were not so great because midwives took first call in that, in that practice, meaning, um, if anyone called and came in in labor, we were to see them first and triage them. And, um, if they, needed physician care or intervention, then we are to call the physician. So there weren't like doctor and midwife patients. Um, so that, you know, that was really challenging. We were usually the, during the call, which were 24 hour shifts, we were busy the whole time. Um, it, it, I think maybe in the three years that I was there, two and a half years, I had maybe two or three nights where I slept. <laughs> so oh yeah, it was very, very busy. Um, yeah. It, it's definitely not, I would say I, even if my husband didn't match and have to move away from that area, I'm not sure that I would be able to sustain a whole career of something that that high volume, it was very, um, conducive to burnout, but it is a, it was a fabulous new grad job. I mean, I'll tell you what, someone who's never, I never worked as a nurse, Um, and I got a lot of numbers. I got a lot of pathology. You know, we saw everybody because we just, you know, obviously midwives didn't see patients that are really high risk, like, you know, your type one diabetics and things like that. There was some delineation, but we got to see a lot. Um, so it was really cool. Um, and we got to do a lot of skills in the, in the clinic too, like IUDs and things like that. So, um, it was a good first job. Um, and, and then, um, as I was leaving, we had gotten, our work hours were such that we were on call every fifth day, but, and then a, about one weekend a month, but, um, any other time that we weren't working or post call, which we had off, we were in the clinic. So, it, you know, you, we definitely worked six over 60 to 70 hours a week every week (laughs) so it was a lot and they've kind of trimmed those up for for folks as I was leaving so the hours got a little better which is good um but but yeah it was it was pretty grueling um to be working that all the time um I'm happy I did it as a new grad but I don't know if I would have been able to sustain working somewhere like that for my whole career yeah that's a lot yeah um and change jobs Yep. So I now work in a midwife owned um, practice in Syracuse. They um, have been around for about 15 years and um, I began to look for jobs in in the town that I live in, in Watertown, but there weren't a lot of opportunities. So I kind of expanded my search further out and Syracuse is about an hour out. So I commute about an hour to work now, which is is not super fun in upstate New York <laughs> winters, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but it's a really nice practice. Um, we, you know, work about three to four days a week, which is quite a change for me. Um, and it's been, it's been great to get that respite and, um, we do about 15 to 20 births a month. So much less <laughs> than yeah. my old job. Um, yeah, so it, it's much different. I get to spend more time w- with women laboring and, provide more hands-on care. And, you know, the clientele that seeks us at this practice, um, very, very much wants midwives. So it's, it's a different dynamic. I think they're, they're 
more likely to kind of have a medicated delivery. And it's nice to be able to help people through that and kind of labor sit and do some things we really learned in midwifery school and did as doulas, I'm sure. Um, so it's a little different. And um, I would say, I would say the biggest thing that I would consider maybe as people are listening is that when I worked for the federal qualified health clinic, I mean, you're working for a federal government and, or if you were working for a big hospital system, I mean, it came with benefits like 401k and, you know, insurance and things like that. Um, you know, private practices are a little bit of a different, a different animal. Um, you know, they're, they're just sustained by, the volume of patients that you have. Um, Mm -hmm. so it is a little bit different. Like you don't get a lot of that. You don't have like a person at your office who's just going to do all your licensure for you, you know, because they, they're just having staff to staff the clinic, you know, they're not, they're not really a big corporation. So that's a big difference. I think that I, I sort of, put on the back burner till it was in front of my face. So it is different benefits wise working for a, a smaller practice than it is for a big, big place. And how often you didn't say how often you were oh. on call in my old job. I was no, on now, call. now, Oh, now, um, there's four of us. So like every okay. fourth day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then one weekend a month again. Okay. So that, that works out pretty much the same. So it sounds like a, better work-life balance for sure very (laughs) much so (laughs) yeah how's the um legality like autonomy level of midwives where you are in new york we are independent providers so we don't need physician oversight or Mm -hmm. collaborative agreement so that's done away with we as a practice we have a collaborative practice that we another private practice of just doctors that we Mm -hmm. collaborate with and there are backups, um, and they are very lovely. They're called Associates for Women's Medicine, and they practice quite similarly to us, um, which is why this job is super dreamy. Like they mm-hmm. are, they're very much um, supportive of physiologic birth and don't have very high C-section rates, and you know, are respectful of women and their wishes, and. Um, you know, the culture at the hospital I work at is very lovely. They want people to come with a birth plan and they follow it. And nurses will like check me on birth plans at this place. You know, they'll be like, that wasn't in her birth plan when I'm like making Aww. a plan for you. Yes, it's really nice. Um, yeah, so so we do have a great um, backup backup relationship, which is which has been great to to observe um, even this early on in my in my midwifery career because you know that's what we all want that and it's nice to actually get it. <laughs> yeah. Tell all your nurses that we as midwives love them. We do <laughs> every day. I tell them that. <laughs> yeah. So um, in Syracuse, what yeah. would it? new grad coming up there might expect to make? Um, so when, when I was coming up to this area, I did a little bit of like online research to look at New York state, um, salary, um, expectations. So the average salary in New York state as a whole, I guess, experience aside is about Mm $107,000. Um, and, um, there, I would say the upstate New York area where I am, it, that that is a little bit 
it, you probably get on par or less than that. Um, I think, I think that the average salary is a bit diluted by the New York City folks who are obviously making more because the cost of living there is more and perhaps there's a little more competition. I'm not sure. Um, but it's about, I would say, 190 to 100,000 up okay. in upstate New York. There is actually a job posting posted now in Oswego, New York, if anyone's interested, and they they start out quite low, I think 70 or 75, and then you get a raise every six months as a new grad. So then it builds you up to mm-hmm. m- more quickly. But um, yeah, I, I haven't noticed many offerings of the average of uh, 107 or 110 or whatever here in this area. Is it cheaper cost of living up there? Yes, much. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's still on par with lower right. salary, lower cost yeah. of living. Yeah, I think if you adjust it, it's probably comparable. Um, you did not share your, the name of your practice. Syracuse Midwives. Very okay. easy. That's very easy. Very easy to remember. Yep. Um, so you've been in practice four years, going on to your renewal soon. Mm-hmm. Why are you a midwife now? What brings you to work? What is your why? I think... A very selfish why is it's never boring. I never get bored. I feel like you do something different every day and you get to talk to different people every day and help them through like their life experiences and birth and, and appointments and visits. And I think as a person, I sort of, I like to do a lot of things and keep busy because I like to do different things. And I feel like this job has been perfect for me because I get to do a lot of different things at work. Um, and so that keeps me coming to work every day. I feel like I get, cha- I, it's challenging. It's, it's, um, it's exciting. And so I don't think a lot of people get overly excited going to work every single day, but I feel like I get, I get a good baseline. I'm baseline excited all the time <laughs> to go to work. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's so mm-hmm. much diversity. I think, I don't know. People are like, Oh, you just deliver babies, but it's like, no, mm-hmm. there's so much, so much to it. You just, I have no idea. Yeah, and even births, like you could have two births back to back and they'd yeah. be completely different. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, what characteristic or quality do you possess that you feel has gotten you here, made you successful and on this journey? I think I'm flexible. I feel like I kind of go with I don't particularly to like change, but when change comes, I'm flexible with it. (laughs) I think because in my personal life, not a lot of things have been certain. I think, you know, being with a partner who may match somewhere that I don't, I, you know, might not know for sure where he might go or where both of us may end up or, um, you know, uh, encountering challenges at work as midwives, we always kind of get challenged and, and get challenged at work and in in public, I think, with how we're perceived in in this country. I think you have to just be flexible and just kind of go with some stuff. And I feel like that's what's made me successful, if that's the right word. I don't know. (laughs) That's a good answer. Yeah. You just kind of have to be willing to, to... what is, who is it? Cheryl, what's her name? Lean in. That's not the book that she wrote. <laughs> that reminds me of this. 
she's the Facebook. She owns Facebook now, or she's a co-owner with Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, Lean, no, I don't Lean, know Cheryl is her first name, and I'm being I'm embarrassed. I don't know her last name, but she wrote this book called Lean In, and it's all about women in the workplace and oh, okay. being yep, being flexible and kind of navigating being a woman in the corporate world. But yeah, good to know. Mm-hmm. I I live in a cave. If I didn't tell you. That's okay. I, that's probably like one book I read in the past four years. <laughs> um, so if somebody came to you and said, I want to be a midwife, mm-hmm. what advice, guidance do you have? Um, I would say, do I would, if I could go back and tell myself like some pieces of advice, I would say kind of do your research a little bit more about programs and like what kind of midwife you would want to be. Um, because like I said, I didn't know all these options out there for, you know, CMs and CPMs and things like that. And then, um, I would say do some very committed shadowing of a midwife. Um, I think it's easy to get kind of like swept up in the, in the excitement of it all, but it is a very grueling job that will take Mm -hmm. away from your family and from your, um, you know, like friends and, and, and a lot of like milestones in your life that you might just think are given like holidays and birthdays and things like that. And that's really challenging. It can be mentally exhausting, um, and being up all night and things like that. And so I would say like very committedly shadow a midwife, like stay with a midwife for a full call and some clinic and, and, and really see yourself for like a week. Can I really be doing this? Um, because I think it is, it is hard. It can lead to more burnout. I think if you're not super prepared for that, for that part of it. Yeah. That is good advice. Mm -hmm. So you are doing all these things offline. Can you talk a little bit about your extracurricular activities? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It's it's a good term. Um, so I, ever since I, yeah, I think I became a student member of ACNM um, when when I was in at the last year of my of my nursing program and going into midwifery school. And ACNM is the American College of Nurse Midwives, so it's our professional organization that uh, represents certified nurse midwives and certified midwives in the United States. And um, they do a lot of work for midwives and with midwives to try to advance our profession. And, and there's lots of different things they do, but I, as after I joined, after I joined the organization, I became a member of the students and new midwives committee as a, as a member for a couple of years. So I um, served on that committee as a member and the, the committee's purpose is to really um, support students and new midwives in school and as they transition to become um, midwives and then in their first year or first one to five years actually of practice with some um, programming to be supportive. So like webinars and, um, you know, instructions and, and Q and A's. So for example, we talked about, you know, renewing your, your midwifery certification. So how do you go about that? And, what website do you go on and, and how, what are the CEUs that you need? All of those things, you know, that everybody has to do, but it can be daunting. Um, so we, we 
we host some programming on that. And, um, you know, having, we have like a mentorship program and a bunch of other little things that we do for students and new, and new midwives. So I was a member of that committee. And then I just, in the past year, transitioned to being a co-chair of that committee. So it's myself and Heather Hines is um, an experienced midwife who actually also lives in, in the state of New York. She's um, a program director at Stony Brook. And she um, and I... Uh, co-chaired this committee to continue to do all the great work to support students and midwives. So I do that in the in the American College of Nurse Midwives. Um, I also am um, involved as um, a program director for a nonprofit organization called March for Moms. That organization started about three years ago to bring awareness to kind of the really poor maternal health outcomes that we have in the United States for, for um, moms and, and babies. So things like high maternal mortality and morbidity, um, lack of paid family leave and high prematurity rates. So it's kind of just like a, a big storm of, of, of poor outcomes that are moms and families are having in the U S despite the fact that we spend the most money on care for moms and babies. We don't really have a lot of, um, good numbers to back that up. We're the worst industrialized country to, you know, be a mom and a family in. So that's really sad. Um, and a lot of people don't know that that's the case. And this nonprofit was started by Ginger Breedlove, who's actually our old professor from Mm -hmm. Shenandoah. Um, and Neil Shaw, who's a physician and obstetrician. And I've been with the with the nonprofit working on their advocacy platform. So really just putting together an advocacy agenda, working with our um, lobbying firm that we hire to um, to to lobby and advocate for certain pieces of legislation um, and organize congressional hill visits for people to go on Capitol Hill and meet with their legislators for consumers. So like moms and families to go on Capitol Hill and advocate for, for legislation to help improve these outcomes. Um, and within the past year, um, two of the pieces of legislation that we have, um, advocated for did get passed and, um, Donald Trump signed them into law last year in December 2018. So that was the Preventing Maternal Deaths Act and the um, health shortage area um, bill that would collect data to help us understand and pinpoint areas that have low um, maternal health care providers. So midwives and obstetricians, because right now, like we were talking about earlier, we're under primary care and this would help us hopefully get a maternal health shortage designation. Um, yes, those are the two big things I do. I, 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 I think that was, oh, I do have one more exciting thing that I just recently, um, became a part of. So um, Johnson & Johnson has um, collaborated with a um, program called One Young World, where they support young leaders. And um, I was chosen as one of 12 um, youth scholars through this program, where they provide you a mentor and kind of support a, a young person in their endeavors for um, for the year um, to help them build more leadership skills and work on a project to improve 
um, whatever work they were doing before. So it's myself um, and 11 other scholars. There's actually another nurse in the mix, an ER nurse from the United States, which is super cool. Um, and yeah, all 12 of us are kind of working in a little project and mine will um, revolve around March for Moms and maternal mortality and kind of um, helping consumers. So moms, again, um, access data. So you know, you probably feel the same way. Like, you know, we can find this information very easy, but what about consumers, like people Mm -hmm. who don't really know? Um, Mm -hmm. So working, yeah, so I'm working on a project to try to bring all this data that we all know about a little more forefront and accessible to, to moms and families. That is amazing. Yeah, I'm very excited. You are doing such huge things. Trying. You're making us proud. Thanks, Amber. So so are you. I'm happy. I'm happy to. I'm just a podcast person. <laughs> You're not just a podcast person. You're a kick-ass midwife that just. Oh, thank you. Just um, you know, fought a toddler to a nap, and I think <laughs> that that alone is so. But I lost. <laughs> you can put that on your CV. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think I might. <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> oh well, thank you, Yulia. That was. A great interview. Thank you for sharing. Thanks. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I can't wait to listen to all the episodes. And I hope you continue to get more and more people volunteering because I want to yeah. know how everyone became. My goal became is a thousand. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. awesome. That's a good That's goal. my dream. Let's do it. As you can tell from all the laughter, Yulia is an amazing person and midwife. With a laugh like that, she will brighten the room. One of my favorite people for sure. She is not only midwifing, but doing amazing things to change the world. If you listened today and loved what you heard, please consider leaving a review on iTunes, a tag on Instagram at midwife.mommy, and check out the website. You can find that linked in the Instagram bio. Until next time, friends.